I'm Will. And I'm Luke. And this is Will and Luke Discuss. A vodcast. And podcast. Where we discuss content related to psychology, personal growth, self-development, and well-being. This This episode, episode, we're discussing Compassion-Focused Therapy, Distinctive Features by Paul Gilbert. Hello, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad. You? You right? (laughs) Yeah, I'm doing well, thanks. You excited for the book? Yeah, yeah, keen. It's uh, it was a really dense book. I cut like I think yeah. it was only a couple hundred pages, but I feel like I just made hundreds of notes. I was kind of a bit confused uh, where, where I wanted to start, but I yeah. feel uh, I feel we'll give it a good crack. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it. I know it's um, an area of work that you you practiced in your in your current work. So I'm uh, intrigued to kind of take some uh, yeah. take some wisdom from you, and I guess share some some insights or things I found interesting. Awesome. Yeah, it's short, but it's dense. And so um, I'll give a bit of a summary about what we're talking about and we'll dig in. So compassion-focused therapy, it's a modality or a theory of psychotherapy um, founded by Paul Gilbert, Professor Paul Gilbert, who lives in the same city as me here in Derby. He's been a lecturer at the university for a few decades. And um, yes, so he founded this theory based around compassion and so this book it's like it was written in well published in 2010 and it's part of a series of psychotherapy books called um, distinctive features which tries to like reduce an entire therapy down like you say to like a 200 page book so it's like got 30 small chapters and um the book's in two halves so it's one half's the theory the other half is the practice and it attempts to reduce like decades of research down into a pamphlet that can stick in your pocket and so yes like you say it's very dense but good stuff and is this is this something that you you use in your current practice or kind of informs aspects of it or is it the main modality you use at the moment i would say like i definitely use it and it informs a lot of what i do i'm not sure i'd go as far as say it's main modality i integrate quite a few things but like I think, well, I could start off by saying this, that although it's it has a name, it's called Compassion Focused Therapy, I've I've heard Paul Gilbert say that, uh, uh, I, got a, I might miss, misquote him, but he said something along the lines of he didn't really like the idea of labelling another therapy because there were already like hundreds, right? He was just mm-hmm. trying to pull in evolutionary research on psychology and how it informs how he might do psychotherapy. But in order to get research funding, you're much more likely to get it if you label your therapy. <laughs> and so like you had to give yeah. it a name. So it's become like another therapy. But I think from his mm. perspective, he's trying to help integrate like CBT, Gestalt and attachment theory. He's trying to pull stuff together rather than, you know, tear bits apart. So um, mm. I, I suppose on the back of that, yes, I, I use a lot of the theory that informs this therapy that to inform my work. But um, I don't think it's necessarily the initial intention was for it to be a standalone therapy anyway. Like yeah. you yeah. can't, you can do a training in it. And I think you can do a post-grad in compassion focused therapy, but they would expect you to already have a therapy background to do that. Yeah. Okay. I find it um, interesting kind of uh, thinking about what other um, modalities would inform this. So certainly kind of aspects of acceptance and commitment, ther- uh, <coughs> acceptance and commitment therapy for sure. Um, CBT approaches, metacognition uh, approaches as well. I thought it was interesting the part where he says that we um, talks about how often when people are kind of experiencing um, emotional difficulty or they're struggling with, um, I guess, overthinking, anxiousness, ruminative thoughts, um, troublesome mental states, that CBT um, for some people only goes so far. So it's almost kind of like you can kind of rationalize things or, um, you know, make make changes to negative thinking and introduce more positive thoughts. Um, but at the end of it, people can still not feel okay. Like you can, yeah. you can kind of logically get your head around something or kind of rationalize something, but essentially it's more the, the experience of feeling like something's changed and the experience that you feel better. And there's yeah. been some sort of um, experiential learning as part of the process. And that seemed like quite a key focus of um, what he was trying to get across. I know that's something you, You've communicated to me um, before. I'm wondering if you could I- expand on that. Yeah, I think that is like the key point of what um, had him 
go off into sort of more research for psychotherapy because he is a clinical psychologist, so would have been taught probably, I'm guessing, CBT as his main um, theory that informed his clinical work. And in um, and he describes, yeah, like, well, some people, you can get them to... Um, well, let me say it this way. So... <clears throat> Sometimes this is referred to as what's called a third wave CBT and also acceptance and commitment therapy is referred to as a third wave CBT. So the first wave is behavior therapy. It's like challenge, challenge your fears, like by doing things. If you're scared of dating, go ask someone on a date and <laughs> just keep doing that until you overcome mm -hmm. it. Right. It's, it's exposure. Um, and then the second wave is the cognitive therapy, which you just described, which is like, well, if we can work out the assumptions and beliefs underpinning my behavior and challenge those, then everything else will change and I'll feel better. So work out what what assumption, what my thoughts, what assumptions am I making about this situation? What beliefs do I have about myself? Recognize, oh, they're not rational. Challenge them. And the theory would be that I then feel better. But that's your point. Sometimes that doesn't happen for people, right? Sometimes I can think, right, well, okay, it's not rational to think that everyone's judging me in the supermarket or whatever. And I understand now that I'm not worthless, but I still just feel the same. So from that place, it's like, well, what next then? So these third wave CBTs are not about challenging the thoughts that you have or the beliefs you have, but changing your relationship with them. So in acceptance and commitment therapy, it would be about you know diffusing from them taking a step back and being more mindful. Mm. And here it's mm. about changing your internal relationship to have a kinder, more compassionate relationship with yourself. And that's not so much in the words you say, but much more in the attitude and the, sort of the internal tone of voice and yes. yeah, relationship you have with yourself rather than the words or the thoughts themselves. It's like a, a more compassionate way of engaging with these kind of these feelings and these, you know, whether they're terrifying emotions or yeah. difficult emotions as opposed to kind of uh, rationalizing your way out of them. Um, I wonder if you could just touch on the fact there's something I think you might be able to better explain is that he hasn't totally written off um, CBT as a, I guess, a useful approach within the compassionate focus therapy framework. I think he's still saying that we still need kind of our rational mind and to be able to kind of um, adhere to reality as part of, of the process. I'm wondering if I've kind of gotten that right or... Yeah, definitely. Um, so, what, yeah, what aspects of CBT inform inform this alongside the yeah the, the, the compassionate um, warm approach to to self? Yeah, so it's, it's additive. So it it doesn't challenge anything from CBT. It's not saying that's wrong or we need to get rid of any yeah. of that. We keep it all yeah. in, but we hmm. we inform it all with like our well, if you're in a, in, a, in an actual therapy setting, your relationship between the therapist and the client is really important. So if you come across as critical whilst you're doing these behavioral experiments, it's going to go to shit. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and also your relationship with yourself is key. So yes, no, we're still, still face your fears, still challenge your thinking and work out your assumptions and your beliefs and all that. But we'd, we're on top of that, we're informing that with an internal attitude towards ourselves that's more friendly positive encouraging the way you would treat a friend or or as i suppose as jordan peterson put it even if people might treat their pets better than the way they treat themselves sometimes so it's like having an attitude towards yourself that you're someone worthy of respect worthy of looking after and worthy of encouragement something i, I um i guess kind of reading through this and picking up felt like quite a key aspect of um what we're talking about here today is kind of these three interacting systems within us that um Paul, Paul describes this kind of within the realm of like affect regulation. So he says we've got the threat and self-protection system. We've got the incentive and resource seeking drive excitement system, and then the soothing contentment and safe safeness system. So that last one is kind of very key to um, compassion focused therapy. I'm wondering whether um, I might be able to kind of just outline what these three systems are and kind of which ones we tend to get stuck in. And what he refers to as kind of the way out of getting stuck in, um, particularly the threat, the threat mindset, yeah, um, yeah. kind of moving into a more soothing and contentment one. I think that might be a good, a good um, explanation. And I guess later on we can get into some of the kind of the techniques and the 
the, the yeah. how-tos of that cover the theory then cover the practice yeah and, and i know we've yeah. talked about therapy so far but i think a reason we chose this for like the podcast is because this um this therapy is also really good as just like a self-help guide like you don't need you don't necessarily mm. need any therapy to learn this theory and apply the practice to no. yourself mm. so i think that's probably the angle we're taking at it today but yeah this um it's all based on evolutionary theory right and so these these this three emotional systems you just laid out he we it's a way of like thinking about our emotions not just about how they feel but about what their function is and so obviously like like all animals we have emotions that help protect us so because these are threat emotions so if we're under attack if we think we can escape we'll feel fear so we can run and hide if we if we feel as if we can't escape but we are bigger and stronger we might feel anger and attack away at the situation <laughs> if um if something needs to be avoided because it's infectious we might feel disgust um or if we're completely powerless we might and we can't fight we can't flee we might sort of shut down we might get depressed we might become you know play dead or become sort of catatonic so we have all these emotions and they're all very different but they're all essentially serving the same function which is threat mm. and then like you say we've got a drive system that's to help us like get up and do yeah. stuff get stuff done yeah get resources get sexual partners like build shelters i'm speaking sort of tribally here but then we still utilize these emotions for i suppose our working lives and um I suppose what probably gets most focus in this compassion focused therapy is that last one, the soothing system. So when we don't need to get out of any danger, it's safe. And when we've got all our stuff done, it's like, can we actually find a space where we can feel relaxed, contentment, contentment, like be able to sort of chill out and feel just sort of warm and at peace with not having mm -hmm. to do anything in particular. Um, and these, these are the type of emotions you I suppose would feel that they're heightened when you're in a safe relationship. So, you know, you it's the end of a long day and you're cuddled up with someone you're in love with. Like these, that they're the feelings we're talking about in this soothing system. Mm -hmm. And so basically all our emotions fit somewhere within these three systems. And it's a way of seeing them, not just as how they feel, but what their actual function are in their, in our, in our lives. Hmm. I guess he puts a warning about kind of um, the ways we get stuck in certain, um, types of you know systems so kind of like what's he say here like the frequency of activation of the threat system um can be linked to external cues or internal cues so we can we can find ourselves stuck in the threat system when there isn't a necessarily a real um yeah. external threat but then we can perpetuate those by um you know kind of feeling that there is an internal threat that we keep feeding and that prevents us from accessing this soothing system which yeah. is going to be the antidote to to that and i think um some, something that kind of like stood out to me and this is you know kind of things like you know overthinking ruminating yeah. um and aspects of um you know act that kind of help us kind of get out of that system you know kind of like moving towards more um you know like value-based activities and you know kind of assessing you know thoughts and worries and challenging situations through through that lens like is this kind of helpful you know using some of those mm -hmm. more rational tools as well um like th th that's a way of kind of getting yourself kind of out of that threat system into a place where you can kind of access the safety and soothing system mm. so i think i kind of threw a few different things in there but I, I guess i'm just kind of highlighting ways in which we can get stuck in the threat system yeah and yeah. um i guess ways ways out of that yeah well he he's yeah. kind of sums up a lot of mental health problems is this right where so if these, if this three affect regulation systems is one key bit of this theory, another key bit yeah. of this theory is what he calls old brain and new brain. It's just, yes. it's just yeah. a way of splitting our brain functions in half between stuff that any old mammal does <laughs> and stuff that only human beings do basically. And yeah. so any <clears throat> mammal will have um, a threat system, a drive system and a soothing system. But we as human beings, as you just pointed out, have can have this capacity for abstract thoughts. We can overthink, we can fantasize mm -hmm. about the future, we can ruminate about the past, we can mm -hmm. and our, these emotional systems basically don't discriminate yeah. between 
what's out there in front of us and what we think yeah. in our minds. So I yeah. think he, he, the example he uses in the book is like, yeah, if, if you're with a sexual partner and like you can get aroused and different hormones are going to go, your body's going to change and it's going to, your physical, physiological and emotional system will change because of this sort of a external environment of like being in a sexual mm. situation. But as we all know, we can be on our own in a room and just fantasize a sexual situation and the same stuff will happen. We'll kick off different hormones around our body. We'll feel different feelings. And so that's purely just with imagination. And basically the same thing happens when we fantasize about stuff going wrong, when we ruminate about what could have been different, when we beat ourselves up in our mind or overthink. Now we're in a place where the threat system, which originally evolved for just one-off dangerous external situations, mm. we can now just constantly trigger <laughs> by worrying, yeah. ruminating, overthinking and beating ourselves up. And this is kind of like the fundamental diagnosis of a lot of mental health problems. I feel he's probably saying. Mm. And also I guess that kind of leads on to what he's saying about how when that threat system is activated, it's not just kind of a, like a mental distress that we're going through. It can kind of emanate in the, in the body as well. So there's like physical symptoms we experience, you know, whether that's kind of you know, racing heart, like flushes of emotion, um, kind of like tension, like m multiple things he lists. And I think part of, the soothing system and the compassion um techniques i suppose we'll talk about is kind of like entering in into the body and like soothing on a um you know like a physiological level as well as kind of providing you know more like men mentally soothing um, exactly. activities yeah. as well yeah so everything we learned from that robert sapolsky why is everything yes. else's book yeah <sighs> just constantly triggering all that in our bodies and it's um yeah. well reading that book will scare the pants off you and convince you that you're going to kill yourself by doing that but <laughs> yes yeah, if, you yeah. don't, if you want to stop doing that um yeah paul gilbert's recommending we find a way to engage the soothing system which is our natural inbuilt evolutionary system wow. for calming our threat system and um even though that evolved in relationships so originally the soothing system like we evolved mm. such that if another person were to be calm, were to literally stroke us, to give us a kind word, to protect us, that mm. was what this evolved in order to soothe us. But now because of our new brain, we can mm. serve that function for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. So it was interesting that uh, we, uh, <laughs> me and my partner had a, um, we had a, a dog round and we've got two cats. Yeah. And one of the cats was like, so tense the moment it saw the dog and yeah. it stayed in this like really tense state for probably yeah. like the 24 hours that the dog was here but now the dog's gone the cat is just like totally wow like yeah. settled down just kind of reminded me of the, uh, the robert sapolsky um you know how kind of a uh, uh you know once the threat's gone it's kind of immediately yeah. just relaxed right, the moment yeah. the dog was out of the room the cat just like relaxed and calm. yeah it just, yeah yeah interesting it's kind of like how we perpetuate that and i guess as humans like we we have a um a capability to like perpetuate that like mentally through um through like negative yeah i mean if that was ruminations us, that sort of thing yeah yeah we'd be like when's that dog coming back like oh my god remember when that dog was here and just like yes exactly keeping this yeah. stuff going yeah no um, no it's not another cat's not worried about that so yeah <laughs> yeah that's a really nice example of the, mm. the threat and soothing system so let me think a little bit about the uh the chimp paradox as well <laughs> like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, the, yeah. the monkey the monkey mind and um i think that there's definitely some aspects in here which i quite liked um that kind of fitted a bit around um you know kind of gr growth mindset and yeah. fixed mindset um around you know compassionate self-correction and shame-based self-attacking so I'll, I'll, I'll just park that there for us to revisit a bit later on um when we get into the techniques but um i suppose yeah i guess i'm just kind of flicking through some of my notes so i can just see there's you know, some stuff around he wants to clarify the the approach and how you know kind of there's like a general kind of attitude in which um to approach this work you know kind of um from understanding that our mind is not our design it's out of our control thus it's not our fault when we start to feel um right. you know what we feel and um i guess with this in mind it helps like de, de shame um you know when when we're feeling a certain way or the clients were working with yeah. are feeling a certain way and he says it's better to look at our threat excitement and soothing systems and how they're interacting and how to work with each other so i suppose that's a useful framework in which to look at things when you're 
interacting with the client or you're using this as a self-help tool it's like what is what is being activated in this moment and how can one shift from one to one to the other and he's kind yeah. of saying that that's your your responsibility to cultivate this like to, to cultivate this practice and i like in, in the final chapter i, yeah. I just highlighted something he says you know that it's um you know we, we have a it's kind of like up to us like what what sort of mind do we want to have what sort yeah. of kind of system do we want to operate out on a day-to-day level like do we want to be constantly operating out of like you know kind of a attention or you know yeah. um a threat system or do we want to have the skills and the knowledge to be able to soothe ourselves yeah. no matter kind of what life throws at us yeah lovely yeah so it's like so on the one hand we didn't design any of stuff right we didn't design the fact we have a threat yeah. system that and we didn't design the fact we have this capacity for rumination and thinking about the future and um self-criticism we didn't even we have no control over the situation we're born into and the kind of um, Mm. things that train these different emotional systems once once we're out in the world and so yeah it's a way of if we find ourselves blaming ourselves for our own emotional problems all that's going to do is perpetuate the threat system and so he's kind of using evolutionary theory to say like look this isn't your fault (laughs) like you you didn't design any of the stuff you've just found yeah. yourself in this position in the mm-hmm. same way as if like i think he used the analogy of like having he had like a back problem right and it's like like we he didn't design the human skeleton and and um he didn't design his genetics or the experiences he's been through in life like a lot of that just wasn't up to him so that's the one side that's the not shaming yourself but on the other side no one else is going to do anything about it. Yes, <laughs> so it, like, yeah, it's still down yeah. to you. Like you're the one that needs to go to the physiotherapist and see if w- what's wrong with your back and mm, work out mm. what's happened and work out what you can do. And you can still do that from an encouraging and compassionate place to yourself. Um, so on the one hand, this stuff isn't our fault, but on the other hand, it's up to us to take responsibility to kind of learn how our minds work, why we tick, and how we can help ourselves because no one else is going to be able to do it for us. Mm. And I guess that kind of ties in elements um, of, you know, um, the seven habits of uh, right. highly effective people, you know, kind of like you're you know, looking at your circle of control, your circle of influence, um, as well as, you know, the um, acceptance part of acceptance. Of yeah. Acceptance yeah. Of the yeah. things we cannot change, knowledge to know. <laughs> the Pillings things of we self-esteem. Can. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Responsibility. Yeah. yeah, it all ties in. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of ties in here actually i think it's yeah. not it's a nice one because it, it does it kind of um it doesn't hide this fact but it does certainly like time aspects of lots uh, of yeah. other um kind of books that we we've read and kind of covered on the podcast yes i'm sure yeah. we'll tie some links as we we go along i um i was just interested i wrote down here the um what compassion focus therapy sees as the mechanisms of change oh uh, yeah um i think that might be quite a good one to kind of uh you know throw out there and then maybe get into some of the techniques so what he what he says is um maybe i'll read each one and then if there's anything to add go for it so um sees mechanisms of change as disengage from internal stimulators of threat so self-criticism rumination anger and refocus on compassion insights and feelings so that's the first one yeah yeah so stop yeah (laughs) just stop triggering ourselves internally (laughs) stop it (laughs) Uh, and but not just stop triggering ourselves but also engage the seething system internally by um well by the techniques we can talk about yeah compassionately stand back from difficult thoughts and this involves utilizing the observing self okay and um also um putting here as well like mentalizing so of like mindfulness and that mindfulness and that exactly that's what we need to say um activate the soothing system as a threat regulator and switch from the um switching to compassionate refocusing and imagery very similar to the first point you made but through in the imagery bit imagery bit exactly and then (laughs) to engage with um aversive inner experiences like bad memories by developing a compassionate base Okay. So I think this this kind of like these four things kind of set set the scene for some of the uh, some of the um I suppose um te- techniques and um yeah you know ways ways of approach approaching and strategies to approach this. Uh, so that last one was kind of like be able to soothe yourself before going into like 
distressing or traumatic memories. Yes, yeah, and I think don't, I, you know, don't what enter do. them from a threat-based place to start with. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, set, set the scene before you kind of approach these things. Yeah, because yeah, we, we all know what it's like when you're kind of trying to solve a problem when you're, when <laughs> yeah, you're really stressed and out. already yeah. irritable or already stressed <laughs> yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, cool. All right. Um, I guess so, something I wanted to kind of speak about was um, uh, kind of get, getting onto some of the the mindsets and approaches we can. Um, used with clients or with ourselves um, in regards to compassion focused therapy is something around the com- compassionate self-correction as opposed to shame-based self-attacking. Mm-hmm. So um, this kind of did tie a bit to me with kind of like the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset. Oh, yeah. So like a, a more growth mindset would kind of be around the aspects, you know, kind of desire to improve, being future focused, knowing that things can change Um Kind of trying to utilize more positive aspects of ourselves and not focusing on the negative whereas you know shame based self-attacking is kind of you know things would always be this way kind of getting stuck in frustration and contempt deficit focused mm. fear of failure so not wanting to kind of like push out the boat um and kind of like a, a sort of a desire to avoid things as opposed to um, yeah. seeking seeking growth so um suppose yeah yeah, just kind of throw that out there. Compassionate self-correction as a as a tool in which to move mm. from the threat system to the more um, soothing system. Yeah, well, it still sounds quite abstract, doesn't it? And so, compassionate mm. self-correction. I'm thinking that probably involves an element of mindfulness where you can actually notice, "Oh crap, I'm doing this yeah. thing." Um, yeah. It reminds me of what he sometimes calls threat-based drive. So, where mm. we are in our drive system, but we're only in it being whipped from behind by a threat system like i must achieve yeah. or i'm a awful failure like i must get this done because so and so is going to have a go at me if i don't mm-hmm. and so like we can get a lot of stuff done without a soothing system just by our like threat system whipping our mm-hmm. drive system into shape but it's an exhausting place to be so i suppose if we can raise awareness to that and just notice for a start using this theory and using mindfulness skills that that it's happening and then try to redirect that inner life to being like, well, I suppose, talk to ourselves in a way that can be encouraging, but also um, soothing and kind and recognize, look, whatever this threat is, it's not the end of the world. If either you've got this or it doesn't matter that much <laughs> or you'll be all right or something like that. Yeah. As, um, there's some attributes of um, com- com- of a compassionate mind that he, he speaks about as well. So, kind of aspects of this are, you know, sympathy, um, you know, being able to actually, as a starting place, being able to kind of understand other people's distress as a, as a starting point for understanding your own. So, um, and then kind of insight into how your own mind works. So, part of that, you know, mentalizing attributes of um, distress tolerance, empathy, being non judgmental being sensitive to your own feelings and needs and having, you know, kind of motivation and intentionality. And he's saying that these, these are the um, attributes that kind of inform the skills um, we can, we can use. So um, yeah, you're kind of like through those out there, but I think it's, you kind of sets the scene right there. What, what sort of, um, what's the general attitude and kind of framework we need to go into this with and some of the, yeah, it's a lot to work on, isn't it? Yeah. There. And yeah. it's kind of, I suppose it's also about working out like we're all going to be somewhere on the spectrum of each of those attributes. So, what are kind of our strengths and weaknesses, and mm. where might we, um, like, I don't know, we might find distress tolerance easier, but find really trip up around non-judgment or one of the other ones you yes, said or something yeah. so it's kind of like working out where we are on that which might tell mm. us what what we might do best to work on he talks about um there's the so there's the threat mind versus the compassionate mind and that like whichever one you find yourself in is how um this will kind of affect how you will affect your feelings your motives um what you think about yourself your behaviors um the sorts of kind of thoughts and images that do kind of pop into your mind and how we how we organize our minds in general so i guess that's another interesting framework to think about this you know if if you're finding yourself viewing things through a certain way like you are becoming non-judgmental or your distress tolerance is low or you're being insensitive to yourself 
mm-hmm. worth kind of remembering that like I'm doing, if I'm in, if you're able to recognize through mindfulness and some body work that you are in a certain, in, in the threat system, you're able to kind of understand better. Oh, this, this may be why I'm thinking this way about things. Yeah. I might not be approaching this the most compassionate way, as opposed to being in a more compassionate space. You're, you know, he says that, you know, comp- you're able to have compassionate attention, compassionate thinking, compassionate feelings, behaviors, motivations. Um, you know, so, so that's going to, if you're in that space, you're likely to view things in a more, you know, sensitive, empathic, non-judgmental yeah. way. And I guess in that space, you'd be better, better place to address any distress that you're experiencing. Yeah. And so they both feed each other, right? Mm. So if you're already, mm. if you're physiologically already stressed, you're probably more likely mm. to have thoughts pop into your head about what's gone wrong or, mm. or what, um, what other threats are or what could go wrong. Mm. And then that's going to stress your body out even more and the cycle will continue. Whereas if you're already in a place of like, things are okay and I'm feeling non-judgmental, then more of those thoughts yeah. will spiral. Yeah. And yeah. So it's, I suppose like the first stepping stone to any of this sounds like it's got to be like mindful awareness because if you just don't know your body's stressed Mm. or that you're in a spiral of negative thinking then Mm. you haven't got any foothold to do any of the other exercises really have you yeah yeah that's it yeah sort of like as that is the base and being able to also be in a place to i suppose like accept those um i guess refers to them as like you know more negative threatening feelings as well you know i guess um there might be some some people who kind of find it too too daunting to accept the fact that they feel a certain way because they're they're maybe too stuck in kind of the drive system where they're just wanting to get things done and achieve right. things. Yeah, the kind of any sort of negativity is sort of a threat to that system as well, like this this third system. Um, right, right. Which I kind of I, just, I guess thought about just then, but it's um, well, it's yeah, you, kind of being. Raise awareness to it, but implicitly still have the attitude of of bloody hell. I'm like mentally i'm useless with my mental health come on get this stuff together be be a compassionate self so you're not so, so bloody useless and it's yeah. like, <laughs> it, within noticing you can still have this implicit threatening attitude critical attitude towards yourself yeah you make an interesting point sort of with, with anything like this that we talk about that can be a you know kind of I know, strategies or you know things things we learn that kind of are gonna you know hopefully improve our well-being our self-esteem you know kind of improve our lives you know in the context of what we we talk about it's often it can be easy to sort of like use some of these things mm-hmm. as a a tool to feel better you know yeah. it's like ah, oh, if i you know it's kind of like the jokes made you know mindfulness for businessmen or like <laughs> mindfulness for <laughs> mindfulness to achieve that you know sort of like it, it's it starts to become like a yeah. you do this kind of quite like wholesome thing in the aid of achieving xyz mm. as opposed to kind of like an inner an inner state and i think particularly yes. with this one if you're kind of using <laughs> using it's like oh, i'm going to be compassionate so i can like you know do this x or compassion yeah. so it, it could i could see how it could take a um have a bit of a reverse effect or feel a bit forced yeah you've just got me excited about a key piece of theory that like i think in rereading this book i got most excited about which is what he called social mentalities yes and so like we evolved to um with different kind of frameworks for how to interact with people so when we're mm. children, for example, we might have a care eliciting mentality, which is like, I'm relating to you as if you're someone who's there to help me. And it's not just as mm. children, but like fundamental, like is there a lot as children? And then we might fall into that place of like um, needing help and coming from that mm. place. And that will have its own set of motives and strategies. Equally, we have a caregiving mentality. Mm. So, you know, if you're, parenting someone it it will elicit your caregiving mentality and that that has a whole set of motives and emotions to it and then we've got like our cooperative mentality so if we're trying to get a project done together we might like be in a real cooperative state of mind which has its own set of emotions and motives and then we've got a like competitive social mentality and this is like all about like climbing up the dominance hierarchy right and this is where we have might have things like like 
jealousy and wanting other people to fail and really wanting to like strive to beat them and all all yeah. this set of stuff. And so what we were just talking about then that like we could end up yes looking to these compassionate techniques but we can end up doing it from this competitive social mentality where I'm just trying to yeah. like be better so I'm not not good enough or yes like, yeah yeah uh, trying to hit this perfectionism and then like it's, there's a sort of irony to which you're using those techniques off the base of this threat-based drive, which is fundamentally feeling not good enough or something like that. And it's, it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it's kind of, um, it's control, control-based as well, isn't it? It's sort of like I have to, con- it's, it's not from like a, an acceptance point of view, is it? It's like right. if there's something wrong, therefore I need to yeah. control it. And that can lead to kind of end up of like, you know, fighting with oneself to, to be a certain way. So if I'm more compassionate, then I'm going to be better equipped to do. Yeah. yeah. It, it can, it can take on a, you know, he talks about this, that, it uses compassionate language like the actual words we use are you know compassionate in which to approach this so if we're kind of talking about you know language of like control and fighting with oneself and competing and like those aren't those are quite like harsh words when it comes to you know sense of like acceptance and warmth and Mm. you know treating oneself compassionately it's not a it's not the overarching attitude that he talks about in this approach for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so we can raise awareness, not just the emotional state we're in, but like the kind of the social mentality we're in, like, and they can mix and match, right. You can be in a place where you're both simultaneously happy for a friend's achievement, but also like it triggers shame in you. Cause it feels like you're lower on the hierarchy than them or something. And so yeah. like, yeah, and so we can also have these attitudes towards ourselves. And so like you're laying out there, if we're doing that, like from a non-accepting place, cause we feel quite inferior and we're trying to like boost mm, ourselves mm. up from this competitive space, mm. then we're not in the, I don't know, either caregiving or like cooperative mm. or sort of, yeah. Encouraging coach, but certainly not in a critical, like you're not good enough kind of yeah. competitive space yeah this makes me think a bit about the the kind of base in which we would practice compassionate um practices out of and i guess one of those would be he's saying um kind of you know creating a safe space to do so um and you know connecting with soothing um rhythm breathing so i'm wondering if like we can kind of um because i'm aware we're sort of kind of going through this a little bit kind of like this but it's sort of it feels like it flows into it a bit. So yeah. um, I guess like thinking about the base in which to, for example, you know, you're feeling a some self-criticism. You might be overthinking something you maybe said in a meeting that didn't yeah. get the best response. Therefore, you're becoming critical of yourself that are, I'm always stupid in meetings. I always say the inappropriate thing. Yeah. That is kind of maybe the example we carry through. Um, yeah. You know, what he's kind of saying is like, when when it's time to kind of approach approach this like coming from a space you know making sure you do have a, a safe space because that that prevents it from kind of being exacerbating it's like a non-threatening environment in which to approach this um from so kind of like where where you do this practice is important and then okay. i guess leading on to that um kind of engaging in you know physiologically settling activities such as soothing breathing so i wonder if we could maybe just start on those two yeah, great. And as and what you were just saying then had me think that also there's kind of two key aspects for when we might do these exercises. Uh, similar yeah. with mindfulness, I suppose. Like we can have a because he's talking about com- cultivating this compassionate mind. Mm-hmm. So this mm-hmm. might mean we set in the same way we go to the gym, we set I don't know so many minutes aside per day to practice this breathing or this imagery to like p- practice just from not in a triggered place at all, but just as a sort of daily habit of practicing, engaging our soothing system and this compassionate mind. So that could be one um, context in which you do these exercises. But then of course the other, which we've, we've been focused on so far is like in response to catching ourselves in the moment in real time, like, Oh, I've triggered my threat system. I'm ruminating or I'm thinking like you said in a meeting or something. And that would be kind of the second place we, we might use these yes. exercises. On so I suppose how we do them yeah. might depend on which one of these contexts we're in. Mm, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, I guess um, be curious, kind of like just step aside a little bit and just think about: is there any kind of examples you you can provide of um, times you've maybe used some of these um, kind of skills or strategies with somebody you've worked with in order to kind of um, support them to become more compassionate in a in a self critical moment? Is there oh, is there um, an example you can give, or kind of obviously you know sort of like a some, what's going through your mind if you were to work with the person I've just explained? I think I'd rather run with myself as an example for a few reasons, sure. but mainly because this course, podcast yeah. is about kind of like what people might do for themselves, right? So yeah, of course, real yeah, sim- yeah, yeah. simple example was Go last night, I wake up at five in the morning and oftentimes when I wake up, you know, I can just roll over and go up to sleep, right? But this is one of those times where 10 minutes in, I'd caught myself like ruminating about something. I can't, I literally yeah. can't even remember what now. But I, uh, and it's not just to hide the fact I literally can't remember what it was, but I was obviously playing something through my mind and then I noticed it. Right. So that was my default mindfulness skill eventually coming in. It's like, oh, look, you've now, yeah, you're not in that soothing place you need to be to sleep. You have started winding yourself up about something and now I've noticed it. So I got to that point. Then I, again, and because like, yeah, this is like a habit I have now. So I wasn't sort of consciously going through methodically, mm. but I think in hindsight, what I did was I started slowing my breathing back down and we can talk about why that helps, but it engages our parasympathetic nervous system, right? Which is what we need to sleep or to feel soothed. Mm-hmm. And then I engaged through a body scan. So I sort of scanned through my toes and my legs and slowly worked my way up my body now what that does is it gives you a pause um from the constantly triggering yourself in your threat system right um it so it's not it's not engaging imagery yet to be sort of compassionate to myself it's just stopping my threat system from constantly triggering okay yeah yeah, which i think might have been like the first change process you mentioned in that list of four yes yeah and so i think after that i fell asleep so i didn't go as far as to like need to (laughs) like speak kindly to myself or or imagine a safe place like on a beach or something which could be other Mm. exercises but yeah what i what i did was i slowed down my i recognized i suppose in the in the wisdom of compassion as paul gilbert calls it i recognized i was doing something that was not for my well-being. So I had a compassionate intention to do something about that. Yes. Yeah. Um, and with my skills, I slowed down my breathing. I chose to engage in a mindful body scan, which um, almost distracted me from my ruminating, which got me calm enough such that I fell back asleep. So that's an example mm. of a few hours ago where it fits yeah. into this yeah. framework. Yeah. <laughs> And also, I guess another aspect that would be, you know, the courage to have, to have done that as well, like being willing to kind of, uh, you know, sit with that uncomfortable feeling and try and do something about it rather than sometimes our behaviours, even though can, they cannot be helpful to us, they feel like they make things better. So often like rumination or overthinking is a control strategy to feel right. better. We, you might think, oh, if I think about it more, then I'll resolve it in my mind, whereas actually you're you're being courageous in order to yeah um, that's try try a different way yeah because it sounds counterintuitive to want to continue to ruminate rather than go back to sleep but there definitely is that pull and like it does require some effort to pause and to choose to do some sort of mindfulness instead like there is that part of me is like no just hard way out yeah yeah Yeah. it's, it's bizarre but yeah there is a part of my mind that was just wanted to keep on that track didn't want it to mm. let it go I guess it, it kind of on that as well, I guess I'm, I'm curious how, um, you know, pausing, engaging in the breathing. And I know there's other parts of this you could have gone, gone into, but how does that help address the, address the overthinking that you're experiencing? Cause that, there'd be like the nature of the thoughts, whatever you were thinking about, right. like, how does it, how does it address the, the content of the thought? Not, not just the kind of, yeah, that's a good point. I suppose, worrying, you know? I suppose it was, I wish I actually could remember now. I suppose whatever it was, was not so important that once I noticed it, I could, my rash, you could use my rationality to say like, 
this isn't the time to think about this and and just believe that and so yeah last night for whatever reason that was enough if it wasn't i suppose like what i would do now using my um david allen getting things done skills is just jot yeah. it down like i just make a note mm. stick it mm. in my inbox <laughs> and then i was like I, I know my system will have this in mind like and and i can mm. trust that I can go to sleep and it won't yeah. be forgotten. It's in the system. So that would have been my strategy yeah. if I couldn't let it go. Okay. And I think also what might be useful at that point is um, aspects of acceptance and commitment therapy right. around, you know, is this, is this thought helpful? Have I had this thought before? Right. Does this thought move me in the direction of my life and my values? D does this kind of overthinking um, make me the person I want to be? You know, like kind of seeing it through those frames as well. That that might be another strategy you could have. Yeah, could have I used. think sort yeah. of implicitly that was what yeah. happened in a very you know in a quick days without doing it that methodically as I have it now. But like, yeah, there are those times, aren't there, where it's like, oh, actually, if I do forget this thought, like I might not do this thing, which does need to get done. So like, oh, there's a part of me that doesn't want to let it go, and so having yeah yeah deciding if it's one or the other is quite important i suppose is, is it like helpful you know skill yeah, skillful exactly. thinking they talk about in yeah 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 mm. i'll be um interested just to hear from you like what what are some of the um skills that you kind of stood out to you and you, you find in interesting there's, there's a couple i've got in mind um but just curious if there's any that kind of stand out to you as like the, the key the key ones that you would use um with yourself or with, with other people? Yeah, I think, well, probably the ones that, there are ones that probably stand out the most as being um, prototypical of the therapy. Mm. And that's like building some sort of image in your mind. Um, so what will they call this building a compassionate image? And this could be like a fantasy. It could be, like it could have human form it could be like a tree or a mountain or the sun or or mm. or it could be like a fictional character from a film or something it doesn't really it could be a religious figure it doesn't really matter because as we've pointed out your emotional systems don't really know the difference between fantasy and reality so as long as you mm. like have something in mind that you sense as being compassionate towards you um then yeah, then it all should do the the, the trick. Um, yeah. Aside from other fears and obstacles to it, which we could get into, but um, so yeah, that building a compassionate image of someone who can be like, I suppose, has your best interests in mind. Someone who um, mm. sees that you know certain things weren't your fault, but still encourages you to take on responsibility. That kind of metaphorically has their arm around you and mm -hmm. understands what you're going through that's probably like the intervention that's most archetypal of this therapy. I think, mm -hmm. um, personally, I, I, I tend not to lean towards imagery as much. It's just not in my, mm -hmm. I've even not practiced it as much, or it's not like my makeup doesn't go towards that as much. So I'm much more in the, mm -hmm. in the camp of like the breathing, the mindfulness, the sort of, um, mm -hmm checking that my attitude towards myself is uh the way i would like it to be towards a friend or someone mm. i wanted to do well rather than someone i was criticizing those are my go-tos mm. i think i think it's within that there's from that last point you made. there's aspects of um you know the six pillars of self-esteem we talked about you know kind of one aspect of self-esteem is feeling that you are you are deserving of the good things that come your way and you're, right. you're deserving of support and help. And I think that's, if you talk about like an attitude, like in within this framework, you know, kind of holding an attitude that we are deserving of soothing and being calmed. And, you know, we, we, it's okay for us to want to feel better about this. <laughs> you know, it kind of sound often that might get missed. People might kind of prefer to be stuck in, in that space because it feels safer. And I think it's sort yeah. of, there's a there's a kind of general attitude of like oh I you know I am I am worthy of feeling okay like <laughs> I am okay I am I'm like a good, yeah. a, good yeah. you know, a good person I'm deserving of um, the support I get from other people like that's right. a, yeah. that yeah. that's an attitude worth cultivating as well yeah great yeah yeah 
and uh, I suppose one of my I think this might be quite common and one of my initial like resistances to this is the sense that if I if I, I take this attitude I might like get less less done or just let myself off the hook with stuff so Too lazy yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so sort of in and I suppose this is more of a uh an intellectual barrier that i got over but just recognizing that no this isn't about that it's still in your self-interest and your self-interest isn't just eat anything you want like let yourself never work out and like Mm. don't get any of your responsibilities done like that's not in your self-interest so sometimes Mm. compassion isn't just like letting yourself get away with everything it's it's not nice necessarily yeah 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 but so it can be encouraging but that's what it is it's Mm. encouraging it's not cruel it's it's like the way I would want a decent sports coach to be like, they've got my yes, back yeah. fundamentally, but they still want yeah. to get the best out of me from, a, from a I place think, of yeah. like seeing my potential. Yeah. I think it ties in a bit. What, um, it's kind of like the theme we were trying to discuss last year. Um, when Luke discussed 2021 <laughs> was, <laughs> was, um, we kind of spoke a lot about the whole striving versus acceptance. Thing, yeah. You know, like yeah. how can we, how can we like push ourselves and, you know, um, drive ourselves to achieve our goals and set big targets and get organized and, you know, stick to yeah. our habits, but also kind of like, you know, the acceptance that like we can't be, you know, in top form all the time or you know, yeah. perfectionistic traits and that sort of thing. And I think what this really, the way I, I would sum this up to myself is like, what is the, despite the, um, the difficulty I might be facing in the moment, despite the challenging, thoughts i might be having the worries i might be having despite um you know the anticipation of a difficult day tomorrow or the difficult moment at work or with a friend or colleague or whatever like what is the kindest way to proceed yeah like what is like i can still do this task i can still um you know confront this feeling yeah like that that doesn't have to change. I can still no. push myself. I can still drive to achieve things. Yeah. But like, I can do that in a kind, compassionate way with myself. Like yeah. what's, the, I can either choose to do it in a kind of a, like kind of back to what you were saying, like a, a critical where I must do this or try and control the situation. I must yeah. like lots of musts and shoulds. And he says that's language we shouldn't be using, particularly in um, reflective letter writing. Yeah. I'm compassionate. Um, letter writing like not yeah. shoulds and musts and have tos but like i can still do what i need to do in a kind compassionate way that doesn't kind of enter into that threat system which tends mm. to be a um a block to yeah ma- managing any difficulty whether that's a feeling or a difficult emotion or brilliant um, challenging situation and that ties into the um positive psychology stuff you wrote about with uh martin seligman and it's so it's about what motive is my drive system coming from so if if Mm. it's from our if it's from our true values then it doesn't need a threat because of course we want to we want to live in line with our values it's like an axiomatic right and so you can approach that with with kindness and still as you point out not avoid something but go towards it because you value whatever it might be in the context you value the honesty even though the conversation is difficult or something like that Mm. yeah we're as opposed to an internally competitive i'm not good enough driver which is just having you trying to achieve so you feel worthy of existence which is a very different Mm. motive even though it might get Mm. the same tasks done at the end of the day it's a much um it's a place of much more suffering, isn't it? Mm. There's, um, oh, go now, now you go. I was just going to ask you, like, <laughs> I, I gave you a few examples and I wonder from reading this book, if you, I suppose, which things did you notice that you find like, yes, I, I already use that and I like that and, it, and which things were new that you were like, oh yeah, I'd like to take that on. Yeah. So I think, I think one key aspect I'd probably say that I, I guess, I'm not going to kind of say on a public forum that I'm like good at it, but like <laughs> I think so, so, so something I like, I think I've, I've recognized is the um, like, yeah, the power of my meditation practice. Um, so uh, 
I had a um, an interview recently, and in the middle of the interview, I felt like I'd maybe said something not quite the way I wanted to say it, and I didn't quite get. It wasn't like a dramatic thing, but it was like yeah. it was just a small thing that I would usually feel a little bit like oh, I, I wish I'd like said the it wrong this way. thing. Yeah. I just said it differently, or yeah. that came out a bit like bit off or something not yeah. like bad but just wasn't quite right and i was able to in that moment be like all right like i, I literally took a breath and I, I like kind of had that like outside awareness but in short i was basically able to kind of um appraise the situation and kind of look at myself and go oh, okay you're like you're halfway through the interview here like yeah. i don't want to enter into overthinking about that one yeah. thing i said for the whole rest of the interview and i yeah. kind of felt this like um i guess it's like pang of just like oh god i said that thing but yeah. i can't was quickly able to sue that and go oh, no you've got this you're right it's okay yeah, like nice you've yeah, answered yeah. all the other questions really well there's more to come bring them on like i'm ready to answer them like yeah it, you know sort of it was kind of like i was intentional as well i didn't sort of it wasn't just kind of like a there there it was like a, right. okay you, you said it now like let's move on to the next thing it's like really intentional like yeah to yeah kind of not not linger yeah recognize lingering that dwelling that space. on it would perhaps compromise the rest of the interview so that wouldn't be in yes in yeah. um line with your well-being right yeah you, yeah so to sort of recognize that well you've done the other things well so you've put it in context and you're recognizing that and you've got another half to do so you know let's take a breath switch on like get back in yeah. the present let's get in the game yeah and I, I guess the it was interesting the language i had to myself in that moment was quickly shifted from kind of like are oh, you you idiot to like right. come on you've got this you've got the rest of the interview you've done all right so far yeah you know? yeah 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 nice one. i mean i think i guess the key the key takeaway really is just sort of um i guess i've kind of pulled up something here but it's sort of the just that i noticing which system i'm in like if i'm kind of getting in a bit of like a, a critical state or i'm yeah. maybe overthinking or ruminating on something or catastrophizing like knowing that that is being viewed through a certain lens and i have right. a, i have a choice to see it through a, a different lens yeah. and kind of noticing yeah. the different parts of myself that might be activated in those moments so it might be like a physical sensation or um it might be kind of um maybe trying to control the situation or to change something or to yeah. seek something to soothe me externally whereas actually it's kind of more around like oh i've got the I do have the the skills, the knowledge, and the intention to kind of soothe in that situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like um, sounds like a diffusion, like a helpful way to diffuse. So by yeah. rather than engaging in the content of what you're running through your head, checking mm. what state you're in first. It's like okay, well, I'm in the threat system, so <laughs> the the rationalizing I do from this place probably won't be that productive. So rather than engaging with this stuff getting my like calm myself down first and then yeah. problem solve from that point when i can see things through a different mm. perspective mm -hmm. and i think um, there's you know elements um even think about like sam harris's waking up as well yeah like kind of also seeing you know kind of like thoughts images sensations um feelings like they're all according to him like just appearances in consciousness like just yeah. that kind of like stepping yeah, yeah. back like kind of that the, the awareness of awareness itself and not kind of becoming so um exactly like fused to these i don't know critical or um negative ways of thinking like that yeah. they're not you are not your next thought you're not yeah that's not you that's just something that's kind of like passing yeah. through you it's not something you need to kind of attach to and there is a way to step back and I guess it's kind of hard because there's different footholds here. And I think certainly when yeah. you're talking about um, non-dual awareness in the context of this, it's kind of, uh, I don't know how you kind of explain both with keep a foothold on each, <laughs> I suppose, but it's sort yeah, of, yeah, yeah. I guess they're, well, they're, they're they both different. come from a fundamentally Buddhist route. We haven't really talked about that, but Paul Gilbert you know, yeah. drew a lot from Buddhism into this theory. Yeah. Mm. This kind of, yeah, I guess it's sort of, you know, there's something to, Kind of pay attention to here and you're referring to a, a system that operates mm -hmm. not just kind of like a, a broad awareness i think it might be you know, slightly on the fringe of my knowledge to kind of talk much further about it but i think it's uh you can use utilize both i suppose yeah so uh, if i'm catching you right yeah. is one yeah. like yeah. 
you've got your ultimate well let's let's call it your ultimate non-dual state where it's like you're not even you're not even thinking about thinking you're just aware of the entire landscape of the process of consciousness which is kind of what you're aiming at in the deep mindfulness meditation places Mm. which um but then there are like i suppose more dualistic states where it's like oh look luke one can notice what luke two is saying to himself here yeah and like luke's from, threat system can notice <laughs> what luke's compassionate system is yeah, yeah. exactly and like yeah, even yeah. though i've not reached a non-dual place to get there it's still a metacognitive process yeah this is getting way too complicated mm. <laughs> <Metacognitive laughs> process that like i can utilize to get into my soothing system yeah <laughs> I um that was good. I, I think um what one there's one thing I highlighted that I thought might be worth uh, yeah. kind of re- reading out and I guess that, that that'll probably okay. be all my my highlights and biggest hits. So um hit. so it says in in meta in metacognitive therapy. So I guess I'm only saying this because you spoke about metacognitive therapy. It says makes clear that rumination looking back and worry looking forward exert their impact when they const- constantly stimulate the threat system and interfere with normal recovery processes implying that there is a a natural recovery process like um as well um in this approach problems arise because attention is overly focused on the self and the threat to self from within and without this sense of threat is maintained through rumination and worry and self-regulation strategies fail to modify this processing loop and self-experiences that give rise to it so i guess it kind of that rehires like what what feeds feeds that that loop that people can get can get yeah. stuck in as well yeah and, and we haven't um, really talked about what that. stimulates the threat system yeah yes well exactly and it's not just i'm gonna get eaten by a lion like a zebra might have it's like he's talking they're talking about a self there right or an ego like like i can i have an image of how you see me and like if i think your image of me is sort of small and pathetic that is a threat to me so like it's a very complicated process that still triggers this quite like basic yeah. threat system but yeah so it's not just like oh i can think about threatening things but the almost the object of the threat has changed it's not just my body and my survival it's like my ego and, yes. <laughs> and how i think other people might see me or how i see myself that sense of exactly yeah it kind of feels like it can feel like a Kind of attack on on your whole being rather than parts right. of yourself i think yeah yeah they've been linked to the um search for the secure base there yeah as yeah, well yeah. i think about having like a kind of a a stable place in which to to view the world and like to, you know he, he talks um about this doesn't he Paul Gilbert, like about like attachment systems and how that that is kind of part of um you know what activates the threat system as well when people's yeah. attachments attachment styles are kind of under threat and are being challenged or triggered yeah so i mean that i'd almost go as far as to say they're like building an internal secure base or in a, a compassionate mind are the same thing like yeah and if we've had a very um you know secure upbringing we, we might that might come very naturally to us to not be self-critical mm. and to sort of implicitly treat ourselves like we're okay it's been modeled it's been modeled to you hasn't it as well and then yeah, like, it's been modeled yeah. it's been internalized yeah. um whereas there might be either your whole self or just pockets of experiences where you find that really difficult for whatever mm. traumas and mm. and that's where this stuff comes in where in the same way as if we had some joints out of alignment and we need to go get that sorted out we, we might choose to like find the pockets of experience where we're we stay in the threat system we trigger ourselves and take some i suppose responsibility for that and learn about how our minds work and what we need to do but yeah i think the yeah yeah this like attachment theory is sort of really at the heart of this uh compassion focused therapy and like Mm -hmm. learning to build an internal secure base is very similar to building this compassionate self Cool, mate. I think we gave that a pretty good crack. Is there anything else you kind of wanted to to bring up at all? Or any final final thoughts you had? I think we've done it. I'm pretty. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we we covered more than I expected to in about an Same. hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. good. It's um, it's it's um, 
it's a hard one. I didn't quite know where to where to start, but um, I think it was good. I mean, kind of, it's, it's nice to always draw links between other other um, I guess theories and approaches. And I guess we read books that kind of have undertones of um, you know, act in it or undertones of um, you know, compassion. What was it? Um, Christian Neff. We did um, oh yeah, r- radical acceptance and things like that. So there's there's books we read that kind of have undertone of this but like to i guess it's one of the first times we've kind of read a direct thing about like an, a certain kind of therapy i know he yeah. doesn't necessarily want to refer to it as that or like a certain approach so i guess yeah, that, yeah, that was yeah. a that was an interesting one for me because we're not kind of reading it through the lens of something else or with kind of a, yeah, a different title you know yeah 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 because yeah. we did the happiness trap which is all based on acceptance and commitment therapy but yeah, it's yeah. aimed towards the general public as a self-help book whereas this yeah is aimed at therapists for yeah exactly yeah and these, these are the ones that went ones from the, the root of it didn't we yeah yeah and these are the ones that often most challenging like even search for secure base like yeah. that was a really challenging book Super cool because yeah. for the same reasons like it's really tech so um this, this was dense so they're always a bit more challenging but um always happy to chat and hope whoever's listening got something from that all right yeah <laughs> nice yeah. cheers take care cool. look after yourself stay compassionate yeah. Well, Dick. <laughs> See you, mate.